What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning into the J-Ham Special, where I'll talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40K, Dungeons and & Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. My name is John, I'll be the host for this episode of Warhammer Wednesday, where I'll talk about Warhammer 40K and Warhammer 40K Kill Team, my favorite war game and skirmish game, respectively. I am very excited to be bringing this episode to you today, as it's one that I did a while back and honestly I'm kind of revamping I'm kind of trying to keep it short and sweet for those of you that are just jumping into the hobby and jumping into maybe your first army I want to help you out with getting kind of your right purchases and getting the start that you want to make there and I'm going to focus on I think the top five armies you should probably consider whenever you're building your first Warhammer 40k faction so without further ado let's dive on in Now the obligatory first faction I recommend that you take a look at and you start playing as as a beginner is the Space Marines. Now the reason for that is a couple reasons. One, they are the poster boy of Warhammer 40k. They have the most models available to them, the most data sheets, the biggest book, and they're usually the ones that get the new fun toys every single new edition. Whether or not you're playing the game of Kill Team or you're playing the game of Warhammer 40k, a lot of times with them being an elite army, you don't have to field as many as them compared to other factions. The Astro Militarium is another one that I really love to play. They are not necessarily one I would recommend for beginners to get started in unless you have an absolute love for their aesthetic or their lore or something else. Um, but when it comes to the Space Marines, they can take hits and they can dish them out pretty well. Not to mention the size of the models themselves are very easy to put together. There's a lot of easy to build kits out there. I started off with easy to build intercessors and reavers out of the first strike box. And of course they sold the extra little kits too. Um, but also the new ninth edition set is assault intercessors with a primaris lieutenant, all easy to build, all push fit. You don't need glue and it's a very simple and just, I guess, good models to kind of get started off with. Thanks to the starter sets, you can usually find a lot of good wholesale just deals that you can buy a lot of models for cheaper than you would if you would have just bought them all individually. They have a plethora of start collecting boxes out there, and believe it or not, if you're brand new and get started in the game, if you see a start collecting Dark Angels Space Marine box, and you see a start collecting Blood Angels box, and then maybe like a start collecting Imperial Fist box or a start collecting Space Marine slash Ultramarine box. They're all the same models as far as they all work within the Space Marine faction. There are a few outliers like the Space Wolves. They have some special models like their Thunderwolf Cavalry, which you cannot field in a normal Space Marine army, but they do have access to the Dreadnoughts. They do have access to Reavers and Intercessors and uh, Captains and their Lieutenants and all the rest of that too. So Space Marines, really good really easy to kind of put together, um, really easy and fun to paint for a beginner, and honestly, it's where a lot of people get started. Chances are, if you've ever gone to a local game store, played a game of Warhammer 40k, you've either played against a Space Marine player, or you have been one at some point. I got my start with them back on um, 8th edition, whenever I bought the first strike box, had a lot of fun with them, and up buying the No No Fear box, got even more Space Marines and Death Guard, and I had a pretty good time with uh, getting the field and having a good time with them building my army up. Um, outside of my Astro Militarum, they are the other biggest force that I do have access to, and I just, I enjoy their rules, I enjoy their aesthetic, and I think they're really powerful, but I really think they're great for beginners to get your toes wet, and even without all their special rules, you can fare pretty well with just basic gameplay with them. 
And I'm here to tell you that it's okay to like Space Marines. It's okay to like the Ultramarines. It's okay to enjoy their stories and their lore and everything else about them too. Don't let somebody else make you feel bad because their faction's not getting as much love as the Space Marines. number two, this was kind of a hard spot for me because I didn't necessarily want to put another Imperium Force back to back on that one. Granted, I definitely could. Um, but honestly, I think this one is a phenomenal one for a lot of people to get started in and make it your first models for the simple fact that even if you screw up, it kind of fits the aesthetic for the faction themselves. And that is the Orcs. Now, Orcs are a kind of a horde style army, but they do have some elite options in their vehicles and their characters and a lot of their different specialists that they have out there. Granted, it's spelled ridiculous and I absolutely love it. Uh, orcs are kind of like a hodgepodge army that you can do a lot of kit bashing, converting with. If you're somebody who really loves that creative aspect and you're going to be building a lot of your terrain too, it's very easy to make orc terrain and make the orcs fit kind of wherever you want them to be. Not to mention some of their patchwork clothes makes it work pretty well for you to say, oh yeah, my paint job isn't necessarily the best, but it's easy to distinguish what an orc looks like compared to a, you know, red space marine versus a blue space marine difference. They have some squishy small chaff units in their Gretchen, but for the most part, you'll probably be playing with orc hordes, uh, being their either orc knobs or maybe their orc boys. They're a good hybrid army that if you wanted to play with more durability, you can do that if you want to, playing with more elite orcs, or you can play with just throwing more bodies on the battlefield to kind of churn out the green tide and do some pretty good damage and kind of not lose anybody to morale, um, provided you have enough boys on the battlefield. They have a good ability that they have some psychers, um, being their orc weird boys. They have some good vehicles. Um, they have some good different traits on there, and they're just overall fun to play with. And they've got a lot of love recently, thanks to the Octaria sets for Kill Team, and also just their different beast snaggas and everything for Warhammer 40k. I will let you know that playing as orcs kind of shoehorns you into playing more of a melee-focused faction, so don't think that you're going to be shooting a lot of things off the board. Granted, they do have shooting focused factions and some special rules that really go in the favor of your luck of the dice. Some people like that, some people don't, so just be aware on that one that if you're going to play them and you want consistency with the orcs, try to go for more of a melee build if you do go that route. But just know that there is some flexibility that you don't have to go entirely melee. You can look at their Ludas and then you can look at your different specialists like Burner Boys and their Grotz and Gretchen have a pretty good chance of shooting things as well too. They're just not very resilient. But if you want to play a big bound, you know, muscle bound race as the orcs, um, and you don't want to play as humanity in this sci-fi game, then yeah, they're a pretty good choice to go with. One of the cool thing with the uh, orcs and their lore is that they're effectively all kind of have some kind of tie to the psychic energy that's around them. So when orcs believe something, and if enough of them believe it, and they believe enough of it hard enough, um, things actually do come true. So some of them think that red makes you go faster. So they will paint their vehicles red and their vehicles will go faster. Their weapons are made of like makeshift, like different boards and barrels and screws and teeth. And for some reason they fire because the orcs believe that the guns themselves should work. So that's something that's really cool to kind of look at with the orcs. It's really kind of wild. A lot of people consider them to be kind of like the comic relief of Warhammer 40k, but they do also have their grim dark side as well too, and their bloody and brutal faction. 
But that's why I feel like they are the number two faction for you to kind of look at playing, especially if you're jumping into the game. Similar to the Space Marines too, because they have a disposition to kind of go and loot vehicles and weapons and everything else from different kits. Um, there's a running joke that says that every kit that comes out is technically an orc kit because orcs can go loot them. So I've seen some people do some converting work. They bought a Space Marine, you know, Invictor Tactical War Suit and converted it over to a mech, like, orc dreadnought. Um, I've seen people do that with some different vehicles, some astro-military tanks and some different, like, grot tanks they make out there, um, or just slapping just a bunch of different weird toys and other things together and doing a lot of their own vehicles. Yeah, every kit's an orc kit if you believe hard enough. And if you do enough painting and enough of messing up on there and putting them together, making a hodgepodge mess that the orcs believe could work, you're going to have a pretty good time with the orcs. They're a lot of fun with uh, Octarius coming out. They're a lot of fun with their orc commandos and just kill team. And they're a lot of fun with Warhammer 40k, so give them a check. My number three choice is a Believe it or not, again, a Xenos faction. Now, I'm again, I'm a big Imperium fanboy. I love the Astromilitarium. It's my primary faction. I love Space Marines. I love pretty much, I don't, I just, I love the Imperium as far as their aesthetic, their look, their gameplay. Uh, and I enjoy reading a lot of their books. But one that I was actually really surprised in, and I didn't really start playing them until recently because of a purchase I made, is actually the Necrons. Now, Necrons as my number three choice. The reason I do is because, again, they're very accessible right now for Warhammer 40k 9th edition for the simple fact that you can go and pick up the Recruit Edition box, which is like 50 or $55, depending on where you find it. You might get a discount as well, too. Who knows? But you go out, you buy it, and they're the other half. They are kind of the bad guy, the foe for the Space Marines to go up against. Last edition, it was the Death Guard, um, and honestly, Death Guards are a really decent one for you to look at there, too. But Necrons, I feel like, are a pretty solid choice to go for because there's still a lot of customization with the Necrons that you can do that you didn't necessarily get with the Death Guard. There are different tomb worlds that you can kind of focus on. They give different um, kind of characteristics, some shooting factions, some melee-focused ones. But the biggest thing, I think the biggest selling point for the Necrons is that they are very durable. They have what's known as reanimation protocols, which allow you that if your Necron warriors or, you know, pretty much just Necron forces die, you have a chance to roll some dice and they don't actually die. They just stand right back up and regain their wounds. You also have things in there. They're kind of like an undead army, but they're like electronic undead. One of my favorite models out there is the Technomancer. Technomancer is like a Necromancer, but for the Necrons. And uh, he can actually revive some of your different forces that have fallen into battle and you can kind of bring more units back from the dead. So he's really good that you can pair him up with some different, you know, bubbles. It really works out too. Some of the different Necron Lords also have like revival spear or spheres, which allow them to kind of resurrect or resurrection orbs, my bad, which are like green spheres that allow you to bring models back as well. Too similar to how the Technomancer works. There's a lot of cool shenanigans you can do with the Necrons. There's a lot of customization. And again, they can either be like a horde style army with a bunch of Necron warriors, or you can also make them like a really kind of focused, dedicated elite kind of army. You've got your immortals, your death marks, your flayed ones, and a lot of the different cool characters and HQs that you can choose for your Necron army. Again, one of the biggest selling points too, outside them being durable and being able to stand right back up, which a lot of new players do like, 
because even if you lose your models, you can just put them right back on the board and have some fun with them. It's got the easy build option as far as what you can get out of that recruit edition. So if you and a buddy are splitting the box, honestly, it's a great box for you guys to pick up and split right down the middle. One of you take the Necron forces, one of you take the Space Marine forces and have a blast. But some of the lore, some of the background for the Necrons is that this force essentially was kind of like a humanoid race uh, that lived many, many, many millennia ago, well before humanity really made their plight or their function in the world. Um, they kind of really fought against ancient old ones in the lore. Now, the thing was is these Necrons were not immortal. They, because they were kind of humanoid, they unfortunately fell victim to sickness and they were kind of actually plagued since birth. A lot of them had different illnesses. Uh, some had tumors, had uh, leprosy, had a lot of issues kind of going on with them. And so they actually ended up making a deal where they kind of sold their soul to be put into these Necron bodies, these reanimatable, resurrectable, I don't know, revivable forms in their technology. You know, they are these kind of robotic terminator looking foes that will go and melt people across the board. The thing you got to keep in mind is that Necrons are kind of slow, but they're very good about packing a punch and just kind of moving up the board as a full on wave. More often than not, they are cold and they are calculating, but it actually surprised you that a lot of the higher ups, some of the more royalty figures, actually still have a personality and many of them are kind of crazed sociopaths that they have some different like ancient Egypt traditions um, paired up with Terminator, paired up with sci-fi and like revivable things so they worship like certain different deities and gods that they kind of focused on in the past but a lot of them have different lords and dynasties overall so it's a weird but cool amalgamation as far as just their hierarchical kind of structure and how they do things. And a lot of them that have power are paranoid that somebody else is trying to steal them in the back. And a lot of their infighting is what causes them not to be able to take over the entire multiverse. So if you read some of the different books, um, like Nexus and other stories, and you read some of the other books, like uh, just recently I read Indominus by Gav Thorpe, you're going to be able to kind of see a different side of the Necrons where you're like, wow, there's actually a lot of cool infighting that goes between them. There's a lot of character that comes into these Necrons. They're not just soulless beings, not all of them. A lot of them are like the Necron warriors, but some of them actually have some kind of crazed, deranged, you know, method to their fighting and kind of a purpose to why they're actually still existing and still going against all the creatures, including humanity and the other Xenos races. But that's Necrons for you. Taking a look at number four for the best beginner army that you can get started with in Warhammer 40k, I was really back and forth between two different Imperial options here. And uh, honestly, they're pretty similar in a lot of ways as far as like their play style and kind of what they function. They just have a few distinct differences that really help separate them a little bit. And it was in between the Grey Knights, which is kind of like your psyker heavy army where they are pretty much hunting down chaos and demons alike they're part of the ordo hereticus and i would consider them to be kind of one of more of those hyper elite forces for the simple fact that their psychic powers and some of their different armaments they have available to them and just the power overall that they have as just an individual model does actually make them stronger than just a normal space marine which is kind of what i would say is like the middle ground for being your hybrid the Grey Knights get to take advantage of the psychic 
phase quite a bit. Um, and it's something that a lot of armies can't actually say. Now, I played multiple games where I had no psychers whatsoever. So my buddy and I, we, when we started playing, never used the psychic phase. You know, eventually once we started adding some psychers in there, it did add some complexity and more enjoyment to the game and a few more options that were available to us. But, you know, it is a phase that I don't necessarily think you need to play with. And there are some things like the Abhor the Witch um, secondary objective, which allows you to essentially take down your opponent by a lot of points because they're playing with a bunch of psychers and maybe you're not. So my true choice for number four is actually one of the budget options for those of you that want to kind of skimp a little bit, paint fewer models, build fewer, and then also have a great chance to not have to remove as many models from the table because they're so stinking resilient and so powerful. They are the hyper elite army of the Adeptus Custodes. These gold-clad warriors in the lore are essentially the protectors of the Emperor. They primarily reside on Terra, aka Earth, in the 41st millennia, and they are pretty much head and shoulders over a normal space range, which they're already heads and shoulders over the average human. So if that goes to say anything, your custodes are a feared opponent. And because of this, you field fewer of them due to their sheer power on the battlefield. This is one of the few armies that you can buy, maybe just a few boxes and get a full force to play with. Um, and I got my start with the Adeptus Custodes by buying one of the custodian guard kits, which is a five man squad kit 60 bucks at the time is what it was. It was one box and I got 19 power level out of it out of the 25 required. So literally if I were to pick up one more Adeptus Custodes model like the Blade Champion, which is one of the new recent uh, releases for them, which is still really powerful and a great martial um, opponent for your opponents to go against, then you can actually get to your 25 power level with six models. Now with them being a hyper elite team, whether or not you're playing the game of Kill Team or you're playing the game of Warhammer 40k, just know that you kind of are at a disadvantage for capturing primary objectives and having board control. But as far as killing things and not being killed, your Adeptus Custodes are one of the few that you're pretty much never going to have to remove them from the battlefield unless your opponent designates a lot of fire at them. So for the game of Warhammer 40k 9th edition, you can use six different custodes and get 25 power or 500 points worth of an army, which is that small combat patrol feel. And it's a great budget way to get in there. Um, you can build yourself a shield captain with the models that are in there. You can build a three-man custodian guard squad, which is the troops choice. And you can also build a Vexelis um, Praetor, which is kind of like they carry the giant staff and it has some different abilities that maybe increase the morale or maybe the defense or even the attack in some cases of whoever is around them, be it characters or core models. Now with this great power, mind you, keep in mind that you're going to have maybe a hard time that if you do lose a model from the battlefield, you're going to be feeling the hurt a whole lot more compared to somebody who might lose like five or six guardsmen out of a infantry squad. But the cool thing is that the Custodes have almost always been powerful and they've essentially been kind of like game breaking in many situations that sometimes there are these weird ways you have to play with the Custodes that you don't play with other forces. And a lot of tournament organizers kind of have to plan their different packets and their different missions they're gonna be doing around, okay, how do I make sure the Custodes don't win every single game? So keep that in mind if you're playing the game of Kill Team nowadays, you're probably only running four models for your entire team, unless you're also including in the Sisters of Silence, which is a different like 
extra thing you can throw in there. They're kind of the anti-psyker crew in there. But that's the other thing to keep in mind is the custodians don't really have any psychers. So they're easily able to take that Aboard the Witch secondary objective for 9th edition. And they do actually have some rules for putting the hurt onto a lot of psychic-powered forces like the Grey Knights and like the Thousand Suns. And I guess another pro and a lot of traction a lot of people are seeing too around the Adeptus Custodes or the Golden Boys is the fact that Henry Cavill um, actually plays them. He is a big fan of the Warhammer 40k universe and his army. He's showcased and painting it before. He's even gone to Warhammer World and had just a look around and everything and talked about and just gushed over the Adeptus Custodes. They're a really easy paint scheme to paint up as far as, you know, you paint them all black and you dry brush gold all over them and you've got yourself pretty much a Custodes and you just kind of give them your color of choice. Most of the time it's red though. And uh, yeah, you have a lot of fun with this extremely powerful, hyper elite force that in most cases I would say is probably one of the best budget armies you can buy as far as not have to buy as many boxes. The downside at this time though is they don't really have a start collecting box because their start collecting box is officially like one of their boxes. Just one of their normal troop boxes that you can kind of do a little bit of converting over and make an HQ and an elite and a troops out of. So you won't find much wholesale you know, savings when it comes to the Adeptus Custodes, but you will find a lot of savings in the fact that you don't have to buy near as many boxes. You can usually get by with maybe just a few here and there. But that is my choice for number four, the Adeptus Custodes. So when you look at number five, probably realize that I've already talked about two different Imperium factions. I've talked about two different Xenos factions, but I've kind of ignored Chaos a little bit. And I'm here to tell you that Chaos is number five. Now, which specific one? Well, let me talk about some of the ones that I did not choose and the reason why. Now, you might find that you like these armies, but I don't think they're the best for the beginners. Um, that being Chaos Demons, and also the more specialized Chaos Forces like the Thousand Suns and like the Death Guard. Chaos Demons are a Horde-style army. You're gonna have to field a lot, and I mean a lot of demons. They have the plus side that, guess what? You have um, some of the demons that you can use across multiple game systems, be it Age of Sigmar and Warhammer 40K, but I don't think that's enough of an excuse unless you already play both game systems that you should look at playing the army at all. There's also a huge difference in the army makeup and what models you can bring, depending on which chaos guy you decide to serve. So you have your bloodletters, which are corn, and you have your demonettes, which are slanesh, and you've got your zangors, which is your um, zinch, and you've got your nurglings, which is your uh, nurgle folks. But even building a small combat patrol army of your demons, you are going to have to field a lot, a lot of small spindly models you're gonna have to get a lot of them to field on there to even get somewhere with the points cost to try and make yourself equal with everybody else that's playing this game and probably even playing it as an advantage because they can get kits a whole lot cheaper. Not to mention at the time, I'm not telling you to go chase the meta or anything, but they don't really have the best rule support out there. And honestly, they don't really have that much when it comes to good soup options outside of just like maybe playing Chaos Space Marines and Demons. There have been some tournament winning lists with them, but for a brand new beginner player jumping in, I don't really recommend them for you. Unless, of course, you are absolutely sold on their aesthetic. Now, 
Death Guard and Thousand Suns. Death Guard is usually a really good go-to for a lot of people because of their durability. I would say that, honestly, a lot of the things I talked about with your uh, Necrons, you can also put in there for Death Guard. I think they were a great enemy for you to face and to have as the second half of the kit for the First Strike box, the No No Fear, and the Dark Imperium boxes for Warhammer 40k 8th Edition. Some of the rules have changed from 8th edition to this one, but they still are extremely durable, they're still slow, they're still hard to kill, and but they also pack a pretty good punch. Um, so they're hard to get off of objectives, similar to how the Necrons are too. They don't have much in the reanimation side of things like what the Necrons do, that's how they get their durability, but these guys have their disgustingly resilient, which helps them kind of reduce the amount of damage that's getting dealt to them, and also they have a lot of different feel no pain rules, which allow you to ignore certain wounds getting dealt to them. So keep that in mind whenever you're playing the game of Warhammer 40k and you're looking at Death Guard, know that a lot of the points I talked about with the Necrons could fit here, um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that every beginner should start to play him. Maybe that's just because I don't like him because they're icky, but I think they're really powerful and really good to get started with, but they're not a lot of flexibility there. If you play Death Guard, you're kind of stuck with the Death Guard playstyle. Thousand Suns, very similar to the Grey Knights, being kind of an elite army that also has access to every phase of the game and really, really focused on the psychic abilities. Um, so that psychic phase, that's really where they want to shine. A lot of the same reasons why I chose the Custodes over the Grey Knights is kind of why I don't necessarily choose your Thousand Suns and the Zangors to be your main force you play with. But again, if you like their aesthetic, if you like the way that they play the game, then definitely go with them if you want to. Just know that they may not be the best beginner option for what options you do have out there right now. Renegades and Heretics, which is one of my favorite Chaos factions that doesn't exist. They've gone the way of Legends. It's essentially Renegade Guard. I absolutely love them, and they're kind of what drew me initially into the Guard forces. Um, not going to talk more in depth on them. I've already done that before in other episodes. But uh, what I decided to go with here is actually the Chaos Space Marines. And the big reason I chose them is that for a lot of the reasons you would choose Space Marines, you would also choose Chaos Space Marines. They're a good, flexible force. They can kind of fit in multiple different kind of builds. And you're not just stuck playing with one set group. So the cool thing is that you get to choose different Chaos Gods or Chaos Marks to embody on your soldiers. You know, Corn allows your guys to fight a little bit better and move across the board faster where their charge is. Slanesh is a much faster, much shootier focused uh, faction. Nurgle's a lot more of a resilient and tough, you know, kind of focus. And then, you, of course, you've got your um, Zinch, which is great at being a little bit more durable towards psychic abilities and warding off mortal wounds and things along those lines. There's a ton of flexibility, just like with the Space Marines, that you can play. And arguably, there's actually a little bit more flexibility compared to your Ultramarines and your uh, Blood Angels and your Dark Angels and Imperial Fists, Iron Hands, all the rest of those guys. You've got a really solid option to play a super cheap chaff army, thanks to the Chaos Cultists that you can include in your lists. You can play kind of a middle ground and play an elite army if you're just building a bunch of Chaos Space Marines, and also you can play a hyper elite army by using certain forces and certain models like your Terminators, which are effectively your Space Marines in super steroid jacked up war armor. Even within those choices, you're not just confined to playing range, but you can be close combat if you want to. You can give them the power fists, you can give them chain swords and power power weapons. You can give them um, bolters if you want to, if you want to do the range side, if, you, if that's really what your focus is on. They've got a great 
of just swath of HQ options. Some of them focus a lot on the psychic ability where they get to actually use the powers of the warp, um, which is kind of cool with Perils of the Warp. You, you might be rolling that, but you might actually get some benefits whenever you're actually utilizing them in that way. So I would highly recommend that you take a look at the Chaos Space Marines. Take a look at the armies you can play because there is so much variety that you're not just stuck into playing one specific type of army, one specific faction, but rather you get a really good opportunity to play across the board in a lot of different ways with your Chaos Space Marines. You're not stuck to worshiping one of the Chaos Gods. You can worship all of them if you want to. You can kind of do a Chaos Undivided sort of thing. Or you can really focus on just building around one of the specific, you know, Chaos Gods and really devoting your whole army to that and making them work that way. For a little bit of background and lore on the Chaos Space Marine faction, you are essentially playing as humanity's defenders twisted to the corrupt powers of the warp. You got the different chaos gods that are out there. You've got Nurgle, you've got Korn, you've got Zinch, and you've got Slanesh, which are the big four players that a lot of times you're going to be dealing with. And these, you know, different space marines, they, not all of them are necessarily devoted to one of the gods, but a lot of times they are. Um, they've been corrupted or twisted by some form of taint they've thrown at them. But you have some that just essentially throw off the shackles of being kind of forced into the Imperium. They don't appreciate the Imperium lifestyle. Maybe they don't actually believe in the Emperor of Mankind any longer. There's a lot of different like Renegade Guard Force, or not Renegade Guard, but Renegade Guard and Renegade Space Marine forces that are out there, um, Renegade Legions that don't necessarily worship one of the gods, didn't necessarily come from one of the big uh, name legions that fell during the Horus Heresy. But nonetheless, they are out there and they're just wreaking havoc period. My Chaos Space Marine Force that I actually have, um, their background, their kind of lore is that they're actually a renegade force, renegade legion, called the Exiled. Their cultists, their marines, and their leaders are primarily there because they were no longer allowed to be in the Imperium by some form or fashion. They have either escaped, escaped capital punishment, or they were essentially abandoned because of the Cicatrix uh, Maledictum, which is kind of like the giant tear in space that's divided humanity. And uh, yeah, they were essentially kind of like left out there. You know, the Dominus Crusade did not get to them soon enough, and they all kind of abandoned their hope in the Empire and rather focused on serving themselves. Now, I've crafted a little bit of a narrative for my force, too, that a lot of the Space Marines and even the cultists have started to get a little bit corrupted by the Taint of Warp, but they're not actually fully devoted to one god, but rather they have a demon prince that is kind of bending and twisting their ears and leading them into battle. And the twist is that nobody technically knows as far as which chaos god they actually represent or who they're essentially ploying for, which makes them makes some people think that is maybe Zinch, but also the bloodlust and the anger and the close combat orientation also makes people think a lot of times of corn. My color scheme is black, gray, and red, and a little bit of browns on there too, and quite a bit of rust in order to make them look like they essentially have been exiled and cast out from society from the Imperium. But honestly, I think it's a really cool bad guy idea. I really enjoy kind of putting the forces together. And uh, yeah, I did a lot of converting from my Death Guard um, over to actually make them into 
my Heretic Astartes, and I picked up some other Chaos Space Marine kits as well, too, and there's a lot of good ways to get started. you got start collecting boxes that you can go pick up, and there's a lot of different kits, too, that you, know, you don't have to paint all of your guys up to be Black Legion. You don't have to paint up, you know, your Blackstone Fortress guys to be Black Legion. You can make whatever you really want to for your Chaos Warband. But I truly think that the power is in the flexibility. It's flexibility in your narrative, it's flexibility in how your playstyle works, and it's flexibility as far as what kind of models and kind of overall theme you can bring to it. And yeah, honestly, a lot of those pieces of flexibility could be up into number one, but Chaos Space Marines just don't get as much support compared to the normal Loyalist Space Marines. And honestly, there's a little bit of a learning curve with them too because they play differently compared to standard Space Marines. So beginning players that are just jumping in, might have a little bit of a harder time getting grips with them but it's not too bad and honestly you can make them as bare bones as you want to or you can make them as spectacular and warp driven as you want to well there you have it there are my five top armies that I think you should consider playing whenever you're getting started in the game of Warhammer 40k with each of the reasons of why I think you should be playing them. Now I've only been playing for a couple years and yes I do own most of these armies but the biggest reason I do own them is because I believe that they are some of the best ones you can go and pick up to teach people how to play the game. I am very devoted to trying to teach new people about the hobby, get them into it because unlike video games where you might have a tutorial a lot of times you have to get people into playing the game by actually playing the game and giving them a shot. So I love to have multiple armies and kill teams on hand and I think that everything I mentioned for the larger game of Warhammer 40k also applies pretty well to kill team. Your purchases might look different. The specific models and units you go might look a little bit different and your makeup overall of how your different squads are kitted up might look different as well too. But just know that if you are jumping into it, a lot of the themes that I was discussing as far as overall themes, not specific rules, they usually apply across the different game systems too. So definitely give them a shot. Maybe go do a lot more research. If one of these piqued your interest, then go on Games Workshop's website. Take a look and see what kind of models and vehicles and just infantry squads and everything that they have available for you. And then make sure you watch some different battle reports or you watch some other people who maybe play them and play them competitively quite often. Um, there's a lot of cool people that usually, if you say, hey, I'm looking for a Space Marine player, there's a lot of people out there that make Space Marine content. There's a lot of people out there that make Orc content. A lot of people that do the same thing for the Necrons and do the same thing for Custodes and also do the same thing for your Chaos Space Marines. But I appreciate you all taking your time out of your date just take a chance to listen to me and uh, join in my kind of rambling and my thoughts around which factions I think are the best for beginners to get into for Warhammer 40k and Warhammer 40k Kill Team. Until the next time, have fun painting models, building your list, rolling some dice, and having some fun. I'll see you on the next JM Special. Bye!